When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You've tuned in to the 49ers Rush podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. Here we go, 49ers fans. Welcome to another episode of the 49ers Rush podcast. I am your host, John Chapman. And we've got a fun one today. I I always love the question satchel episode because I get to hear a lot from you guys. And I I appreciate all the questions. I'm going to try to get to as many as I can today. We've got about 13 of them. But we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. One, there's a little bit of news. The 49ers PR department released the very first unofficial depth chart, which I will overreact to. And if you follow on Twitter, then you've already seen some of those overreactions. But I'll share those with me here. If you don't follow me on Twitter, please do. At JL underscore Chapman. And here we go. Let's jump straight into it. So first off with the news, there is a little bit more movement in the personnel department as the 49ers are hosting offensive tackle Jordan Mills today. Definitely not okay with the tackle position. I don't think any of the fan bases and the front office definitely does not seem to be so as well. I mean, I really do believe right now, and we're jumping into the questions already, but if one of the tackles did go down, God forbid, one of our starting tackles, I really think we'd put Brune Skill out there as of now. And so, you know, you're jumping into a situation where you have an interior offensive lineman. He's a great run blocker. That's no issue. I love his effort, but he is not an offensive tackle. You know, Justin School is listed as the backup on the unofficial depth chart. However, I don't think he's ready. Uh, I would argue nobody thinks that he is ready. A big reason why, you know, we brought in a brand new face to the practice squad from San Diego State just two days ago, and now we're also bringing in somebody else. So it's going to be curious. They're going to bring in another tackle. How soon? That's a question. But um, they're definitely not happy. And again, you know, a lot of the comments out there are, why don't we just go sign somebody? There is no one. The NFL has one of the biggest voids at this position, the offensive tackle position, and the 49ers are a little bit spoiled. I believe that we have two top 16 tackles, and I mean, if you put all the right tackles and left tackles in one individual column, and Mike McGlinchey and Joe Staley, they're in the top 16. We are very, very lucky, but there's just no depth. I mean, if you just take a step back and look around the NFL— 
Whether you're looking at the Laramie Tunsil trade and you see what all they paid to get a left tackle that's not as good as either of our tackles, whether you look at the Browns, who you know a lot of people are saying are a dark horse, want to win their division title but could do more damage, they cut their left tackle to save $2 million on a veteran pay scale and were able to sign it. He cleared waivers. He's their starting left tackle. This is the sad reality of the NFL, and it has to do with college ball. If somebody is big, tall, and athletic, they put them on the defensive side. They do not put them on the offensive side. A lot of this has to do with the air raid spread offense. It's just not that much of a priority anymore protecting your passer because it's catch and throw. It's catch and throw, catch and pitch, whatever. It's just real, real quick, and it's just a different – it hasn't trickled up all the way. You know, we have – Cliff Kingsbury, who's doing some new things. There's a couple guys, you know, that are kind of bringing this new type of offense in. And again, if you look at, you know, within our division, I know I'm going on a little bit of a rant here. I think it's important to understand why the NFL is the way it is with this offensive tackle position. Because you look at one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL, I think dead last last year were the Arizona Cardinals. What do they do this offseason? They completely refuse to address it. Because with this new type of scheme, it's just not that important. Now, I I think that it is important that whenever we play them, we're going to hurt the quarterback. But their philosophy is we just got to slow guys down up front. We don't have to block them. Uh, This vertical passing game that a lot of teams like Bruce Arians and the the Bucks who we're going to play this week, the Raiders, the Lions, you know, stuff like that. We don't have to do that. So we'll see what happens. So the idea of just go get somebody – that's just not a thing. There, there's not that many offensive tackles out there. You, you can look at perhaps the Dallas Cowboys, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they have a lot of depth. Most teams don't. So just something to keep in mind. Also, you know, went into a little bit of the Jimmy Garoppolo vault here. His very first game he ever started was against Bruce Arians. Now, Bruce Arians was with the Cardinals back then, obviously, but Jimmy G had a hell of a game. He goes 24 for 33, 264 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions, and just kind of that mistake-free football, super high completion percentage, very efficient, even though the stat sheet's not, like, amazing. Pats did win um, by a couple points, and... Man, who knows? Hopefully we can continue to do that. And then probably the last piece of news that I really want to focus on today is Nick Mullins was named and informed that he will be the backup going into Sunday's game. I don't think that that is a long-term plan. It, It was weird the way that everybody phrased it, whether it was Mullins talking, whether it was Kyle Shanahan talking or whatever. He is going to be the backup this week. It seemed like that those two words were somewhat emphasized. Uh, you know, they did say that he's going to be the backup quarterback, whatever else. But like, it did definitely see temp- seem somewhat temporary. You, uh, nobody, if you've ever listened to this podcast, you know how much I love Nick Mullins, um, and he is the backup, the clear backup. He should stay the backup. Uh, CJ, I think he's probably going to be inactive week in and week out. So um, now let's jump in real quick. Let's jump over to this unofficial depth chart again. You don't want to put a lot of stock into it because this is not made by the coaching staff or the GM, but it is made by the organization itself. So it could just be some PR guy putting it together. Having said that, they have been pretty damn close to right all throughout the preseason. So there is definitely some value and some validity in this. So let's jump into the offense and let's dissect the starters here. 
Wide receivers, let's start outside, work our way in. Dante Pettis, Marquise Goodwin, no issues there. I think everybody kind of understood that. And we do have, you know, a tight end and a fullback, so that's kind of the personnel we're in. 21 personnel, two running backs, one tight end. Um, The running back is Matt Breida, kind of one of, he is listed ahead of Tevin Coleman. I'm not quite sure who's going to get the first snap. If we reflected on just the first team snaps in the preseason, it was about 60% Tevin Coleman, 40% Matt Breida. But in that 40%, Matt Breida outdid Tevin Coleman by a mile, not even close. Kyle Juszczyk's going to be listed back there as well. And, of course, George Kittle will be the tight end. Now, our offensive line, it's the exact same copy and pasted as last year. You know, starting left, working right, Staley, Tomlinson, Richburg, Pearson, and McGlinchey. Am curious to see if Richburg's going to go. He has been practicing. All signs are pointing to yes. But if Richburg can't go, it's going to be Ben Garland. That's going to be the person that gets in. And, of course, the quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, now, a couple things just as far as the depth chart goes. Debo Samuel is listed with the third team. He is listed behind Kendrick Bourne. I do think that Debo will get plenty of work. You know, if my guess was, you know, he'll get about 40% of the snap share because Kyle Shanahan does not like just leaving his wide receivers out there all the time. He even did this whenever he was in Atlanta. If you go back and you look at Julio Jones' snap share, it was a little bit, it was around like 85%. Like, he doesn't just leave his studs out there all the time. And we're going to see the exact opposite of that this week with Bruce Arians, whereas he's gone on the record saying Mike Evans and Chris Godwin will not come off the field. So a little bit of an old-school mentality versus keeping fresh people out there. Um, Also, just interesting of note, Daniel Brunskill is listed as the backup guard, Ben Garland as the backup center, and then Justin School as the backup tackle. But again, I would be willing to argue that if a tackle goes down, it's going to be Brunskill out there, and they're just going to rotate a tight end over to their side. Probably Levine Toilolo if he is active because he is the best blocking tight end that we have. Uh, he is unbelievable. So, uh, you know, a big question a lot of people have, and again, we'll talk about this. Why the hell did we keep four tight ends? Um, and I think the reason why is our offensive tackles suck. So if we do have an issue or an injury at the offensive tackle position, you best believe we're going two tight ends every single set or at least one tight end favored to whichever side the tackle starting tackle is down. So just something to pay attention to there. Um, outside of that, nothing really huge. You know, as far as the wide receiver position depth chart, it goes Pettis, Kendrick Bourne, Debo Samuel at one wide receiver position. The other one goes Marquise Goodwin, Trent Taylor, who will be inactive, and then Richie James. So just something to pay attention there. That's the offensive side. And, man, punt returner. This is interesting. Dante Pettis is listed as punt returner, and I think until he either proves how great he is as a wide receiver, if he can prove that he is just you know irreplaceable at, as that number one wide receiver, I think he's going to stay at, stay out there. You know, he's the all time leading touchdown punt returner in NCAA history, and give him a chance. And if you know he's just going to be one of those guys that rotates in that position, and yeah, he's a starter, but you know he's getting seventy percent snap share at the wide receiver position, put him back there. He's too damn explosive to not use if you're not going to treat him like a true number one. DJ Reed, 
um, and Richie James are going to be the other guys back there. Kickoff return, Richie James and DJ Reed again. Matt Breed is listed there as well. Now let's jump over to the defensive side. The biggest thing up front, let's start up front from the defensive left to the right. D4, Sheldon Day. Surprising uh, that he is listed over DJ Jones, but he's shown it throughout the preseason why DJ Jones was out. Me personally, um, I like Sheldon Day, but only in pass rushing situations. He just gets moved off the ball like crazy. He's not that big of a guy. He weighs 290 pounds, and he gets washed down. His skill set is he's very savvy, and he's crafty, and he is able to get his hands up and block the ball. But in the running game, man, in the preseason, if it's shown us anything, that guy is not an anchor. DJ Jones is, so you might see those guys kind of rotate there. DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead is listed as the right defensive end, so we've seen that. Also, surprised if we go to the backers, you know, you got Fred Warner, Quan Alexander, Dre Greenlaw, the linebacker, the rookie linebacker that we all love. Man, he is listed as the starter, which makes me so happy. And then, of course... Um, you know, behind them, we have Mark Nzocha and then Aziz Al-Shahar. So excited for those guys. I love that core. It is absolutely awesome. Secondary, Sherman and Witherspoon are, are starting quarters. Nickel, Kwan, and then this one pissed everybody off more than anybody. The starting free safety listed on the first step chart is not Tarvarius Moore. It is Mr. Glass himself, Jimmy freaking Ward. Um, and then Tart is the strong safety. And this is the bummer, man. You know, we finally get some decent safety play for more. Um, all through the preseason, I get it's the preseason, but the kid looked good. Joint practices, kid looked good. Uh, practices against ourselves, kid looked good. I, I, I don't understand it. I, I really, really don't. You know, the, the unofficial depth chart that was released for the third and fourth preseason game had Jimmy Ward listed as the slot corner. So it, there's something there. Ward's going to be the guy out there starting. I'm curious to see how much they work in Tarvarius more if he takes, you know, every third series or something. But if you're just going to park this kid on the bench and not at least let him try, because we know what we have in Jimmy Ward. And I like Jimmy Ward. I think he's a great role player. I don't think that he is a starter. I would prefer him to be the backup to all uh, five secondary positions, personally. Actually, no, I don't. Not with Jimmy Verrett. I, I'd prefer him out there, personally. But that's okay. We'll see what happens there, and we'll kind of go from there. Now, Nick Bosa is listed as the backup, which, you know, that's just been the way it's been since early on in training camp. He worked out with the second team on base situations, and if it was a pass situation, he moved into the first team. So he's going to be treated as a pass rush specialist. I wouldn't be surprised if they have him on like a 20 snap count because of his foot. Um, you don't want to rush him back from that ankle injury whenever he's not in full workout shape. So that's just something to pay attention to. He's going to be on a snap count limit. So you'll see him, but not a lot. Uh, he will eventually work his way up into the lineup. There's no doubt about that, but it's just going to take some time. DJ Jones, Julian Taylor are listed as the backup, and Ronald Blair is listed as the third-team defensive end. Solomon Thomas, gosh dang it. They still have him listed as a defensive end, and that is just disgusting. One of the things that's going to be really, really curious is, man, do they keep him out there? Um, you know, do Herman Armstead kind of make up one position? If it's a base down, Eric Armstead's out there. If it's a passing down, do they send Solomon Thomas out there? Does he go inside for Sheldon Day? 
who knows, man? I, I really, I'm very curious to see where his first snaps are because Solomon Thomas needs to be inside. You've heard me say it a million times. Curious to see what's going to happen there. So, um, also interesting of note, they listed. I shouldn't laugh. They listed Adrian Colbert on the injured reserve, which he is not. He was just released. So, a little insult. Uh, to injury and also speaking of insults just want to give a shout out to at 49ers Camelot for telling me to make sure I pay attention to the pronunciation guide guys I'm from Texas uh, it's the way I was raised I'm so sorry I do make an attempt to pronounce the names correctly but I understand I am awful at it um, I am a teacher and my students say the same thing uh, I apologize uh, <laughs> the Texan 49er speech is rough to say the least but what is it rough our sponsors over at my bookie I absolutely love this site. It is so easy to use. And do the smart thing. If you're going to bet, make sure you bet with my bookie. The 49ers and Tampa Bay game, it is a coin flip, which means, man, it is just easy money. If you believe in your 49ers, here's the thing I don't do, and maybe this is bad, whatever. I like to bet for fun. I do not bet for (laughs) income, so on and so forth. I've posted profits the last few years, but I always want to put something down on the 49ers game, and even if it's just, you know, 10 bucks. So what I do is I head head over to mybookie.ag. I'll put the promo code in the... in the description here and the link in there. So you can just click on the link and it'll take you there, put the promo code in there. Anyway, the promo code is 49ers. You enter that promo code with your very first deposit over at MyBookie. They match you dollar for dollar up to 1000 bucks. So if you want to bet 200 bucks, they'll match your first $200. Um, from that, you can bet on everything. And... You are running out of time to get your bets in on things like offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. One of the bets that I put on is which team will have the most sacks. The 49ers were listed like towards the bottom. I put just a couple bucks on there, but it's insane odds. It's like 30 to 1 odds. So uh, head over there to my bookie. Here's the thing. You bet, you win, you get paid. Very, very easy. Again, head over there. Use promo code 49ers49ERS on a double your first deposit. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, and you get paid. All right, let's jump into some of these questions. Now, I do apologize if I started answering some of them beforehand because I just get too excited. I get excited. Uh, I kind of like this team. I kind of like the 49ers, and I hope you guys do too. And I do want to say... I don't want you guys to think I'm negative. There are certain parts of these questions that do piss me off with the team, but I'm not going to shelter or sugarcoat my feelings. You are listening to this podcast because some reason you think you like the information I present to the 49ers, and whether that's good or bad, it's real. And I'm not a person that's going to be fake or whatever. And so I understand if you don't like this podcast, there's lots of other 49ers podcasts out there, and I want you to listen to those. But just make sure you keep listening to this one. So first question is from Chris A. And Chris A, is a he always has awesome questions. I really do appreciate his feedback. He asks, it seems like whenever Jimmy G has a bad time, he instantly turns into Jimmy Garoppolo. When he goes to Kansas City in the preseason week three, throws a touchdown, zero interceptions, plays really well, then they call him Jimmy G. Um, whenever he plays bad and throws five interceptions in pro- practice, it's Jimmy Garoppolo. 
My question for your next podcast mailbag, question satchel, will we see Jimmy Garoppolo this season or will we see Jimmy G? Love your podcast and hoping to see a lot more Jimmy G this season. Thanks a lot, Chris. You're spot on. Uh, this is the equivalent of whenever you're a kid and you get in trouble and your mom like steps out of the house and yells the middle name which I always knew I was in trouble. My middle name is Lamar. So if I ever heard that name, Jonathan Lamar, trouble was a coming. And it's the, it seems it's the same way with the 49ers fans and Jimmy Garoppolo. Whenever it's Jimmy G, things are good. Jimmy Garoppolo, well, shit. <laughs> Just what it is. We are in trouble with mom. So I really do think that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get off to a great start. The first two games, oh my gosh, you know, the next podcast we have is going to be the scouting report, which I got a lot of work to do for the Bucks. But, you know, we play Sunday, 125 Eastern. It's at Tampa Bay. I really think he's going to get off to a great start. That defense is abysmal. Um, it's terrible. It is really, really bad. So I, I really do think that, you know, this is one of the highest projected scoring games of the week. We're projected at just over 50 points, both of our teams put together. So that's one of the highest. I think we're the fourth or fifth highest game of the week. It's going to be a shootout. It's going to be a lot of fun. Bruce Arians and Jimmy G will show up. He's going to get off to a hot start. Really, really excited. Uh, next question comes from Chris H. Any info on the game possibly being moved with a hurricane? It looks beyond unlikely to be canceled or moved. I don't think that's going to happen. You know, Hurricane Dorian has shifted its pattern dramatically. It seemed like it was just going to hit Florida head on, but now it seems like the temperature in the water has skewed it, and so it's going to follow the coast all the way up to North Carolina. Therefore, because there's not a direct hit and Tampa Bay is kind of inland, much more so, even much on the goodness gulf of mexico side it's going to be just fine if you look at the weather pattern for tampa bay they're expecting light rain but on sunday it's like 10 percent. so i think zero percent chance that it gets canceled and very very small percent chance that it gets um delayed now it might be a little dry in the stands uh, i don't think i'm expecting a whole bunch of people to come out tampa bay they have a nice fan base but i could see attendance being even low even for opening day which is kind of sad but uh that's okay for 49ers fans next up we have a question from jeff what role will jason verrett have on sunday is there a chance he can start over witherspoon can he play nickel the answers are yes and yes and no and no could he start over witherspoon yes do i think he's better than witherspoon yes but he will not uh one the official depth chart's already out Two, it's possible he could be one of the inactives. If he's not 100%, you don't want to rush him back. We do have a lot of corners that can play inside and outside. DJ Reed mostly is actually listed as his backup. Um, Richard Sherman's backup at the corner spot. Jimmy Ward. There's lots of guys. So we're not in a dire need as far as bodies and talent back there. But I do think that he is better than Witherspoon. I think he's an all-around better player. But he will not get the chance. Even whenever all the players were healthy, the only time that Verrett took snaps with the first team were after uh, Witherspoon got a little banged up. So, And also, I don't think that he will take any nickel snaps. You could argue that the nickel slot corner is one of the deepest positions on our team. Uh, Quan Williams, best secondary player that we had all of last year, 
We go out. DJ Reed looks unbelievable and very, very tough in the run game. Mosley, you could argue, had as well of a preseason as anybody. And Jimmy Ward, good Lord, he might be our best nickel corner. Who knows? So that we've got four guys that can play that. When we do shift into dime defense, which is we put two nickels out there essentially, we're solid. So we're built on the inside pretty good. I do think that the best idea for Verrett right now is emergency use only. I'm curious to see if he gets any snaps whatsoever, even if he does dress. In ideal world, you know, Witherspoon would just ball out and you just rest Verrett a whole nother week and then we'll see what happens the following week. From CSM, he had a long one. Um, does keeping three QBs mean that they don't believe in Jimmy Garoppolo? Um, see how he used Jimmy Garoppolo there and not Jimmy G? Uh, <laughs> no, the reason why they kept three is because they wanted to trade one. They were in a lot of active talks, and people were wanting them to flinch on the price, and they just didn't. And we've seen this a lot with this front office, and I'm 100% okay with this. You know, the Khalil Mack. Um, Le'Veon Bell, Odell Beckham, all these almost trades. But here's the deal. Do you want a general manager like what they have in Houston where they're giving away top-tier players for free and then overpaying in a knee-jerk reaction to get offensive tackle? That's the worst-case scenario. As soon as you go into a deal and you say, we have to get this deal done no matter what, you're going to overpay or you're going to be ripped off or both. And because of that, we said, and you know, John Lynch came out and said, we set the price as a mid-round pick for our quarterbacks. That was the terminology he used. Notice he didn't say CJ or Nick Mullins. And there was some interest, and it just never panned out. And that's just kind of what it is. So we'll see what happens there. I do believe that CJ will be inactive this week. This week's going to be rough because, you know, it's the start of the season. We don't have a lot of injuries. The inactive list will get easier each week, which is sad. I mean, that's just a reality of the NFL. But with CJ, you put him on the inactive list. You know, Kyle Shanahan has no qualms with just having two quarterbacks. That's usually what he does. But again, over half the NFL has three active quarterbacks on their 53-man roster. So it's a little bit of a variation from Kyle Shanahan's standpoint, but not from an NFL standpoint. So no big deal. Next question similar, at leisure underscore rules. Uh, awesome Twitter handle, by the way. Why three quarterbacks and four tight ends? Four tight ends is interesting. I probably have a bigger question mark with that than I do the quarterback position. And my guess is, man, Toy Lolo. He might be – here's what's going to happen. If everybody's healthy, then ideally you want school to be the left tackle and you want Brunskill to be the backup interior guy, right? And that's okay as long as they're backup situations. Now, here's the problem. With Caden Smith, he is a better receiving guy. And if everybody's healthy, you're going to be able to get Caden Smith a couple series a game and just allow him to slowly develop. But if – one of those offensive tackles goes down and Brunskill or school has to step in. You now have to shelve Caden Smith and you've got to transition Levine Tololo into those two or three drives just because he blocks so well or Roz Dwelly. So you basically have these two different plans depending on how things go. Um, everybody's healthy. You're getting Caden Smith a couple snaps in there with the starting lineup, starting offensive line. You're all okay. 
injury takes place. Now you have to divert that, and you got to say, all right, Caden Smith, you've got to go on the back burner. we got to get this guy in there that can make sure our quarterback doesn't get hit, and that's going to be Tololo. So you kind of have these two different plans of actions, you know, DEFCON 1, DEFCON 2, if you will. If things go good and according to plan or if things go bad, it's uh, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. That's the way I see it. Next question from at leisure underscore rules. Who is the starting free safety? And I have a cuss word with four letters that starts with an F. Jimmy Ward here. Um, I love Jimmy Ward. I really do. I just don't want him starting at safety ever again in the NFL unless we have three injuries. Jimmy Ward is not a free safety. Um, It might be his most natural position. He is not a free safety. He just disappears at that position. He needs to be close to the line of scrimmage. I don't mind Jimmy Ward as a strong safety. I don't mind Jimmy Ward as a cornerback. I don't mind him as a nickel corner. I do not like him as a free safety, personally. Watch him ball out, and I hope he does. Uh, I'll be the biggest guy out there rooting for him. Should be Tarvarius Moore. Um, you got to see what you got. You have sucked at that position for three years straight since you've been here, and you have done nothing to address it. You finally have a guy flash, and now he's probably going to be the backup. But curious to know how many snaps in series he gets. Hope he is there. Um, who gets the most carries at running back? It's going to be Matt Breida. I don't care who gets the first series. Kyle Shanahan always rides with the hot hand. Matt Breida is so much more talented he was the fastest player in the NFL. Uh, according to Next Gen Snats, he had the top speed in the entire NFL. The dude is a beast. 5.3 yards per carry. Are you kidding me? Oh, I love me some Matt Breida. All right, next up from LH. Why didn't we keep Jordan Matthews over Kendrick Bourne? Um, he, he had a lot of mentions on just, you know, he was a big Matthews fan. I think a lot of people were. And Kyle Lynch, or Kyle Lynch, that's a, that's a Freudian slip there. Uh, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. John Lynch came out this week and said, "We love Jordan Matthews. You know, we brought him in here with the goal of him sticking around. But the way the draft played out with getting Debo in the second round, then you get Jalen Hurd in the third round, it just kind of bumped those guys ahead of him." And made him a little bit more dispensable. So I think the plan was really to keep Matthews and he'd be the backup for all of the wide receiver positions outside, inside, um, all that stuff. But then the draft happened. And so you got to go with upside in the NFL. And another thing, he hasn't been picked up. Uh, Nobody really has been picked up. There's only been one player that the 49ers released that's been picked up. That's David Mayu. That's it. So interesting to note for sure. Uh, I really would have guessed it'd be a lot more than that. Next up from at diamond underscore boonana. I like it at boonana. Um, I feel like that's like a, <laughs> a sports center back in the 90s when somebody hits a three. Boonana. Um, are you worried about the safety situation even with the versatility? Yep, big time have been. It's been about five years. Definitely concerned. Uh, you know, I don't want to beat this drum to death, but, you know, once Tarvarius Moore gets back in there at safety, it's going to be huge. Uh, who knows how long Jimmy Ward can play. I love the guy, but uh, he just can't stay on the field, and he's not a free safety. So from at CD Porter 34, why do you think they chose Sheldon Day over Demontre Moore? Yeah, this was interesting to me. I like Sheldon Day's play, but I think he's a situational pass rusher from the inside. And we have a lot of depth on the outside. So, you know, if you look back at the preseason, we had so many edge guys out that Demontre Moore got a lot of playing time. 
But, you know, again, based on the unofficial depth chart today, Day is the starter on the inside. I do not like that uh, in base situations. Pass rush situations, absolutely love that. He's a major liability in the run. I want Sol- I would be happy, you know, people will get tired of me for talking about Solomon Thomas. I want Solomon Thomas to start that position. I'd be so happy for him to be the left defensive tackle. He's six foot two, two eighty. He's fourteen pounds lighter than Sheldon Day. I'm fine with that. I think that he's a better ankle anchor. I think he's way stronger. I'm cool with that. So it's not so much that I want like this huge nose tackle, you know, run stuffing guy up there, which we have in DJ Jones. Um, I want upside. And I don't think that Sheldon Day offers that. Having DeForest Buckner next to him definitely helps. But um, I would be fine. I want Solomon Thomas on the field on the inside. That's very, very simple. I, uh, that's just what I want. From Charles B., who goes in first at swing tackle? God forbid something goes down. Talked about this already. I think Brunskill goes down now. I would go in first. And I think they want school to take that position eventually, but he's just not there. Um, and again, partnering with the tight end, that's going to happen for sure. Jay, who leads the team in targets week one? Um, off the top of my head, without breaking down, I'll have a lot more of this in the next episode whenever I do my Tampa Bay um, scouting report and breakdown. My guess is Kittle, seven to eight targets, Pettis, five to six. You know, those two guys, the 49ers will spread the ball around like nobody's business. They they always do this in a Kyle Shanahan offense. You can go all the way back to his days with Cleveland. You can go back to his days with Houston. It doesn't matter. Um he is a scheme-dependent coach. He is not a player-dependent coach. He will get everybody the ball, and my guess is we will have eight different people, maybe nine different people getting targets in the passing game once you count running backs, um, full back, both tight ends. All five wide receivers will get a target. They're going to spread the ball around considerably. Scott, does a trade for Melvin Gordon make sense now? Absolutely not. You go back to Daddy Shanahan back in the day when he traded Clinton Portis for uh, you know the all- freaking Hall of Famer Champ Bailey. Any running back works. Any running back works. And then you get into salary cap. It's not very friendly. You know we have twenty one million dollars cap left in this year, which is eighth most. We'll get to roll some of that over, which is nice if we stay where we're at. But next year is going to be tight. You know we have twenty six million as of now in twenty twenty. That's bottom 10 of the league uh, some a place we haven't been very often next year is the big jimmy g year where a, a huge chunk of his money it was front loaded in the first year and then it was the third year where the two big chunks so curious to see what that's going to happen but again salary cap's going to go up we're going to release some certain people uh, you know a big the way that we do contracts i say we the 49ers prog Moranth, the way he does contracts is Easy to cut and get out. So there's a lot of money they can free up, but do not trade or for Melvin Gordon. One, because you have to pay for him. You have to in trade capital, whether it's draft picks, players, whatever. Then you're going to have to sign him to a long-term deal because he won't play under his current deal. We already have you know money wrapped up in Jarek McKinnon and Tevin Coleman, which Tevin Coleman's a good deal. Um, luckily, Matt Breed is basically free, but he won't be next year. I would personally rather have Matt Breida over Melvin Gordon straight up screw salary whatever I don't care if you are in the backyard picking a team I'm taking Matt Breida I I believe in this kid I I love his energy I love everything about him so that's
that's my no there. And the last thing is my prediction for the six inactives on game day. Um, there's two that we know about for sure, Trent Taylor and Jalen Hurd. Uh, their injuries, they've already been ruled out for week one. Then I think CJ. Those are the easy three. After that, it gets rough. Um I could see Julian Taylor being inactive like we saw a lot of last year. You know, if there's some D-line injuries, then I think it would bring it back. But his ceiling is huge. But, um, you know, he's he's been battling through an injury. Just wait for him to get healthy. We got a lot of depth on the inside. We're going to be just fine. And then I think it's going to be one tackle and one tight end. Um, Levine Toy Lolo, I think, could be inactive. Again, going back to this idea, if one of the offensive tackles goes down, his value shoots up. But I think Levine Toy, Toy, Toy Lolo and Justin School, I think those two guys are going to be intertwined for a long time. Um, again, if a tackle goes down, then you would switch that to where Levine Toy Lolo and Daniel Brunskill would be in, um, if not, Caden Smith and Justin School. That's my guess on the inactives. You get six, or at least six. You can do more, but no team does that. Um, next up in the next episode, man, Bucks breakdown slash scattering report. As soon as I finish editing and post this podcast, I'm going to start breaking down some Bucks film um, and some personnel injuries, all that stuff. So stay tuned. If you have not already hit subscribe on the 49ers Rush podcast, please do so and share it with a friend. We're into freaking football season. A lot more coming your way. So stay strong, faithful. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.